Welcome to the Autoimmune Wellness Podcast, a resource for those seeking to live well with chronic illness. I'm Mickey Trescott, a nutritional therapy practitioner living well with autoimmune disease in Oregon. I'm the author of the Autoimmune Paleo Cookbook, and I'm using diet and lifestyle to best manage both Hashimoto's and celiac disease. And I'm Angie Alt. I'm a certified health coach and nutritional therapy consultant, also living well with autoimmune disease in Maryland. I'm the author of the Alternative Autoimmune Cookbook, and I'm using diet and lifestyle to best manage my endometriosis, lichen sclerosis, and celiac disease. After recovering our health by combining the best of conventional medicine with effective and natural dietary and lifestyle interventions, Mickey and I started blogging at autoimmunewellness.com, where our collective mission is seeking wellness and building community. We also wrote a book called the Autoimmune Wellness Handbook Together that serves as a do-it-yourself guidebook to living well with chronic illness. If you're looking for more information about the autoimmune protocol, make sure to sign up for our newsletter at autoimmunewellness.com so we can send you our free quick start guide. It contains printable AIP food lists, a two-week meal plan, a 90-minute batch cooking video, a mindset video, and food reintroduction guides. This season of the podcast, Real Food on a Budget, is brought to you by our title sponsor, the Nutritional Therapy Association. A quick disclaimer, the content in this podcast is intended as general information only and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. On to the podcast. Hey everyone, Mickey here. Welcome back to the Autoimmune Wellness Podcast. We are in our third season. How are you doing today, Angie? I'm good. I'm kind of in shock that we have been doing this for three seasons now. I know. It's been a lot of fun putting everything together. And I think we we had go through these long breaks where we're like, forget about the podcast. We're like, yeah, we don't have a podcast. And then we start thinking about doing it again. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a lot of work. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah, I do a podcast. <laughs> we've, been, uh, we've been getting fired up. And uh, we are really excited to introduce our topic for this season. It's one that we have been thinking about for probably years now, huh, Angie? Yeah, um, we've been talking about this a long time. We've been talking about it for a while. And it is real food on a budget. Dun, dun, dun. We really want to dig in how to make nutrient-dense healing foods accessible for everyone. So Angie, you want to talk a little bit about how we came up with this topic? Yeah, I mean, we've long been hearing kind of the rumblings from the autoimmune community, the AIP community, that finding a way to make these dietary changes affordable is this big barrier to adopting the protocol over the long term. And those rumblings were pretty much confirmed at the beginning of this year when we ran our giant reader survey. Seriously, thank you to everyone who participated and gave us our feedback. That was very valuable to us. Um, But no big surprise, you know, you guys pinpointed affordability and accessibility to high quality healing foods is one of your biggest challenges. So we, we kind of knew that that was something that was out there um, all along. Yep. And, and some of the specific challenges that we've both personally been through at different points in our journey and things we've heard from you guys in comments on the blog and social media um, and in the survey are things like, um, you know, people that can't get started because just because they literally can't afford it, they don't have the, the current budget for it, right? Right. I mean, it's it's hard. It's a big it's a big budgetary move. I mean, we definitely felt that in the beginning of our journeys when we kind of shifted our family's budgets to focus on that. Um, you know, my husband and I sit down and do kind of a big 
a big overview of our spending at the beginning of every year from the previous year. And we saw it again this year, like, whoa, that food budget, it's a, it's a biggie. It's hard to adjust all those other areas of your life to focus on that priority. We also hear a lot about people not being able to find high quality food in their area. Yeah, and not being able to afford them. So people don't have access to a quality grocery store that sells like high quality food. Or if they do, maybe those foods are like exorbitantly expensive because as we've seen a rise in organic and grass-fed and even the convenience foods that weren't around when we started AIP, uh, a lot of these things now are infiltrating into maybe even more rural and more food desert areas, but the price tag goes way up because those retailers know that they have something nobody else does and, and they want their customers to pay for it. So that's, that's really frustrating. Um, yeah. Another area is um, people saying that affording the high quality food and the medical care that they might need at the same time together is a challenge. This is a huge one. Yeah, it is. It really is. And, you know, ah, it's, it's a hard one to get around, right? You, you just have to kind of believe that focusing on diet and lifestyle is eventually going to help you bring those medical care costs down. Um, I've definitely seen that over the long term for myself, but in the beginning, it's really tough to walk that line. Yeah, if some people are going through some really important medical procedures or medical treatments or seeing certain doctors that they really need to see, um, they they literally might not be able to start with the food to the extent, you know, we, we have some ideas for you guys later, but, you know, they might not be able to do it at the current time. So um, another issue that people have is that maybe they try AIP for a short period of time, which is what we advocate. You know, you guys know at this point, AIP is not forever, um, but maybe they experience some success in the very beginning, but then they find it too expensive to maintain. Right, Angie? Yeah. Yep. I see this a lot. You know, I get, I get a special view of this because of my group programs, right? Like I see people at the very beginning giving this a big shot and really dedicating a lot of their financial resources to it. And then, um, you know, maybe the financial resources kind of burn out at some point and they go like, how do I maintain this? I'm, I'm not quite there where I need to be in terms of my healing, but I don't know if I can stretch my budget further. So um, we're going to dive into that some too um, over the next few episodes. Um, what about a really tough one, Mickey, integrating a healing diet while needing to be on social welfare programs like food stamps? That can be really challenging because there's limitations what you can buy with some of those programs. Yeah, this is something that, you know, we haven't had like an onslaught of people writing to us. But through the years, I have had some especially thoughtful um, blog comments and emails from people that say, you know, I this is my issue, I'm on this government program, and I have a fixed income, and I really want to try AIP, how can I make it work for me? We've got some ideas for you guys, we're actually going to be interviewing a social worker later on in this podcast series, and hopefully give you guys some ideas about prioritizing, because that's actually something that I don't think anyone in our community has started talking about yet. 
No, and we're excited to tackle it. I have a lot of um, personal feelings about this, and I'm really excited to help figure out ways to make this accessible for everybody, even those on the lowest incomes. Um, okay, and then finally, another big one, um, confusion about how to make smart compromises in food quality or budget priority. I think it feels like there's only one way to do AIP, and it, you know, I need to go buy everything at Whole Foods, um, and people aren't quite sure about doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If people don't know that this is a struggle for them, it will become apparent. There may be a misconception for a lot of you guys that you need to be like drinking a $5 bottle of kombucha every day or, you know, buying that organic grass-fed meat at Whole Foods or whatever and not really understanding how to make those compromises to kind of sustain this long term. Um, so hopefully we're going to clear some of that up for you guys. There may be some other things that you guys are are feeling and uh, hopefully, you know, in eight episodes dedicated completely to this, um, we'll cover it for you guys. So Angie, um, you want to dive into why this topic is personally important to us? Yeah, you know, we wanted you guys to understand that this isn't just motivated by what we've learned from all of you and what the community has been asking for. You know, Mickey and I are not independently wealthy either. And we recognize that the process of shifting your budget to focus on high quality foods that fuel healing is by no means an easy undertaking. Uh, when we first began AIP ourselves, it was difficult to figure out where the money to eat like this was going to come from or how to source the best foods at the lowest prices. Um, not only that, but we have personal experience living very low income. Um, Mickey lived paycheck to paycheck when she was first diagnosed. And when I first got ill, I was a single parent and I was on, on welfare at that time. Um, you know, I was working a job and going to school and, and needing some additional support. And it was really tough. Um, those experiences left really powerful impressions on us and they played a really big role in our efforts to address this issue with this podcast season. We don't believe that healing food only belongs to the rich and we want to figure out ways to make this accessible for everybody so what can they expect in this podcast series mickey first we're going to do an episode on every facet of food sourcing and kind of break that down for you guys uh, all your options so everything from purchasing meat and fat to vegetables and pantry items there's so many options there's this just huge spectrum of you know everything from going to the farmer's market to buying things online to uh, buying clubs that we're really going to dive in and give you guys some really creative ideas i'm sure a lot of them you've never even heard or considered before that might help you guys solve some problems and you know some of these things are going to be great like aha moments for some of you and some of them might not be applicable but our hope is that you know there's going to be something here for everybody we'll also be talking about some tricks that help you stretch your food budget so things like meal planning and batch cooking um, and minimizing waste so you guys are probably sick of hearing us talk about meal planning and batch cooking but there are more uh, benefits to it than just saving you some time and it's not just about what you buy and where so so how you're using these ingredients, um, how you're stretching them, especially that waste piece we haven't talked about a lot in our community, um, but just to maximize that and uh, get the most value and healing out of it. 
And then we'll also be addressing how to create and prioritize your food budget, um, as well as have a conversation, like Angie said, about even those on the lowest income. So things like food stamps, WIC, um, using food pantries, um, and some creative ways that if that's you, um, how you can still make healing changes in your diet, um, there are definitely options for you. Along the way, we'll be interviewing some people who have a specific expertise on the topic of the episode, which will help us go much deeper than our own experiences into the range of options. Um, And we're going to be learning along with you guys. There's some areas that I feel like Angie and I are very strong in. And then there are some areas where especially we're bringing in a few experts that we have some great questions for them. And I think we personally stand to learn a lot from them. So we're excited about that. And then lastly, we will be interviewing members of our AIP community to share number one money-saving tip and how they've hacked eating this way over the long term. So this way, we can get a broader perspective of what's working for a variety of people living in different areas, on different budgets. For instance, someone living in San Francisco, they might have a different tip on what saves them money than someone living in, say, rural Oklahoma. Um, Sourcing might vary really widely from New York City to St. Louis. So the good news is that we know people hacking AIP literally all over the world. So wherever you find yourself, know that there are options for you. It might take a little thinking outside the box and through sharing some of these experiences of our community we can really hone in on kind of taking um, stock of that landscape and and seeing what's out there this is going to be a good season guys that's it for our first half of this episode we'll be back after the break with a guest who will help us take stock of exactly what we are up against in tackling this problem we'll be right back We wanted to introduce you guys to our title sponsor this season of the podcast, the Nutritional Therapy Association. The NTA is a holistic nutrition school that reconnects people to healing foods and vibrant health. They provide practical and affordable nutrition education through their courses, empowering individuals to launch new careers and heal themselves, their communities, and the world. The NTA trains and certifies nutritional therapy practitioners and consultants with an emphasis on bio-individual nutrition. I personally discovered the NTP program in 2012 when I was in the middle of my own healing journey with AIP. I was actually sitting on my kitchen counter looking at the local community college class list that I got in the mail and I saw the program and when I looked it up online and found that it was based on real food and ancestral perspectives, I knew that it would be a perfect fit to my personal chef work and a major piece to shifting my career. And while I was going through the program, I actually wrote the first iteration of the Autoimmune Paleo Cookbook as my community project, and the rest is history. After becoming a certified health coach in 2014, I was excited, but knew that I wanted to dive much, much deeper into nutrition, and Mickey obviously had glowing things to say about NTA. After I looked over the program offerings, I knew that the NTC course was perfect for me as a virtual coach, and it ended up being one of the most intense learning experiences of my life. It was absolutely bursting with aha moments as I made the connections not only for my existing clients, but for myself and the autoimmune path I had been walking. You guys can learn more about the Nutritional Therapy Association as well as their programs, events, and resources at nutritionaltherapy.com. While you're there, make sure to check out their free seven-day Nutritional Therapy 101 course. 
On to our interview. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Terry Walls, who is a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Iowa. She is also a clinical researcher and has published over 60 peer-reviewed abstracts, posters, and papers, and has most recently been delving into studying the interplay between diet, lifestyle, functional medicine, and autoimmune disease with patients with multiple sclerosis, a disease she has successfully recovered from using those tools herself. Seriously, you guys, if you have not seen her TED Talk, go do it already. You're like living under a rock if you haven't seen it. We really can't emphasize enough how much we respect um, and admire Dr. Walls' work. Thank you, Terry, for joining us um, today um, from Iowa. As you know, we are just kicking off our very focused podcast season dedicated to helping folks make a healing diet and lifestyle fit into their budget. And we know this is an area of expertise for you. So we're excited to pick your brain and get an assessment of exactly what our movement is up against here. Great. Very glad to be here. So Terry, we are facing both exorbitant costs in our medical system, um, which you know really well as a doctor, as well as the artificially deflated costs for low quality food. I think that's something not a lot of people are talking about. As a doctor that works within the system and is passionate about helping people from all walks of life get better with dietary and lifestyle changes, what's your take on the struggle here and kind of where we're at? You know, a, a lot of people who got introduced to functional medicine uh, really got taught uh, how to use some very high-cost testing and supplements that are, can be very helpful. Uh, and unfortunately, they're not as familiar with just how much can be done without testing, without these high-cost supplements. Uh, and that, was, that uh, is the advantage that I had by working in the VA. I had to live uh, within the constraints of the VA. So I learned a great deal. Can you tell us um, some of those experiences and, and for people that don't know exactly what that entailed? Because I think, you know, I've seen you speak at conferences and talk about some of these yeah. cases working with a VA. What does that mean that, you know, maybe you weren't able to run some testing and stuff? Well, when, when the VA agreed to let me begin doing functional medicine, I uh, had been doing functional medicine with no testing, just as part of my traumatic brain injury clinic. I would talk about diet and lifestyle as part of a 20-minute appointment I got twice a year with these folks. Uh, and even with that very limited time constraints, uh, I made uh, handouts I could give to people. We were able to achieve great engagement and for many folks who are willing to go with me on the diet and lifestyle journey, we had terrific success. Uh, and then based on that success, the VA uh, chief of medicine came back and asked me to create a uh, functional medicine clinic. And in those conversations back and forth, uh, we agreed that I could have group visits. I would be able to take no additional functional medicine testing. I could just do basic primary care labs. And uh, no fancy supplements. I could order a B vitamins and fish oil, uh, vitamin C, and that was like it. Even with those constraints, we had phenomenal success. And my tools were really very simple, diet and lifestyle, cooking classes. We talked about gardening, hunting, fishing, and teaching people how to cook at home. That's so awesome. I, I love that you just um, tapped into what they had available, even hunting, fishing, growing their own food. That's that's such a smart way to tap into what their skill set already was to address, you know, those those needs. What kind of recommendations were you making, um, and what results did you see working with people in that way? Well, you know, the first thing we did, we had to create demand and interest. 
uh, and so we'd have uh, large classes. People could get referred to my group, initial group class where we told my story in the principles of functional medicine, talked about epigenetics, microbiome, ecosystem medicine, and then said, if you want to work with us and come to the more intensive classes, you have to sign up to be willing to do gluten-free, dairy-free, lots of vegetables. And then we'll, we'll, we'll refine it further from there. If you can commit to doing that, then they could come work with me. Uh, then they would come in uh, after that initial class, I'd say about a third of the folks would say, nope, that's too hard. And two thirds would sign up to come to these group classes. And in those group classes, we'd have a more intensive instruction about functional medicine, why it works, uh, how, why the microbiome is so important, why diet is so important. Then we'd have a big uh, cooking class where we'd help them understand um, a new relationship with food. And we'd make cooked greens in a green smoothie so they can understand that this food is easy, it's fast, and it can be delicious. After that, have classes once a month that would focus on some aspect of diet uh, or movement or stress reduction or uh, life's purpose. Uh, and then we'd have uh, monthly group classes where they could come with a group of vets, uh, talk about their strengths, their challenges, and get coaching from uh, everyone else in the group. Wow, Terry, that sounds like a really comprehensive and incredible program that these folks had access to. It was really, really amazing what you've thought of. I want to ask, you know, you mentioned cooking instruction, which I know um, is a really big barrier for a lot of people. What's your assessment on, you know, some of these people probably had no idea what they were getting into when they had their 20-minute appointment with you, and uh, you're recommending all of these changes a biggest probably their diet and um, many of them I'm sure were just eating a standard American diet how did you see that teaching people how to cook that maybe had never cooked before and and how people got over that obstacle so the uh, first couple of years I did this I didn't get to have my group classes or cooking classes yet when I first started it was just education that I could do in a 20-minute appointment and give them a handout so I was introducing the concepts we had a, a lovely handout with some information and uh, some books that we recommended. I, I couldn't get everyone fired up, but we had remarkable success. That's it. About a quarter of the folks really began making big changes that would you know, grow over time with traumatic brain injury. Uh, getting anyone to improve instead of t uh, steadily decline was noteworthy. Uh, and because of that success, then that led to um, creating the Therapeutic Lifestyle Clinic where we could create these ongoing programs. But you know, even I'm still struck that that 20 minute conversation with folks who are having traumatic brain injury, PTSD, uh, losing their jobs, losing their families, and saying, look, you've been struggling for uh, years with this problem. Would you give it a month of gluten-free, lots of vegetables, and see what happens. Terry, do you remember any particular cases to you that kind oh, of yeah, stand yeah. out that you could give us a little snapshot of maybe what this person's sure. life was like and, and what they were staring down? Uh, so here's a gentleman who had uh, multiple brain injuries, blast exposures during the war, exposed to burn pits, uh, had a terrible uh, uh, case of bloody diarrhea, 
uh, kept coming back. Uh, he was treated uh, with antibiotics and then uh, treated for inflammatory bowel disease uh, and med boarded out, put on 100 pounds in spite, in spite of his uh, inflammatory bowel disease uh, and uh, was back stateside. His marriage was failing. He had tried going to school, was flanking out of school, saw me. Uh, and I said, look, you know, I, I think uh, you've got undiagnosed gluten sensitivity. Um, and I think there's uh, probably toxin body bird burden. So I pitched gluten-free uh, cooked vegetables, soups and stews, grain-free. That's all in, in 20 minutes. He came back, flunked out of school. He was now uh, divorced. I talked with him again, gave him another pitch for gluten-free cooked vegetables grain-free. And the next time I saw him, or a year later, he in fact has implemented that diet and he's begun to lose weight. And then I see him uh, six months after that. He's now finally 100% grain-free, 100% on the diet. He's lost 50 pounds. His energy is improving. Uh, I see him six months later. He's in school and he uh, is now absolutely 100% on the diet, continuing to lose weight, uh, and his grades are, are doing well. Uh, he's, he has since completed uh, his degree in graphic design. He has a small business, remarried uh, and thriving. So That's you incredible. Know, the, so the first time I, I said all this to him, he sort of thought about it, sort of tried it intermittently, didn't really buy into it. It was the second visit that he bought into it. It wasn't until the third visit that he started actually doing it 100%. But even when he wasn't doing it 100%, he could tell that things were beginning to improve. That's awesome. Terry, I heard you mentioning a lot about the different kinds of uh, group work that you did with people. Do you think that group programs are a smart way for us to save money in in healthcare? You know, I, I think change, behavior change is difficult to sustain. Uh, it's much easier with peer support, peer education. <clears throat> so I think groups can be very, very effective uh, and in many ways more effective than individual appointments. I, I think physicians, we do a good job of helping people understand why to do something, why a mechanism uh, an intervention works to help them get curious, get excited, but then to sustain, to grow the internal motivation that's best done with a health coach or a nutrition professional who's uh, been really trained on uh, motivational interviewing, group support to sustain this relationship over a year, at least six months, but preferably a year. Uh, and then to give these people a uh, way to create community that can be sustained away from the health coach and the clinical practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're... you're Speaking straight to our hearts, Terry. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, and I, I certainly see that the public demand and interest in health coach and nutritional professionals who understand behavioral change, internal motivation, group dynamics uh, growing. I, I certainly see the demand for that in um, functional medicine practices growing, even here at the university in conventional primary care practices. I see greater awareness of motivational interviewing, of group behavior, of health behavior changes. Uh, and so even my conventional medicine, primary care and specialty uh, 
the care clinics here at the university are beginning to talk about health coaches, health behaviors, motivational interviewing. And I'm cheering them on, of course. And ultimately, Terry, I mean, this is going to help reduce the cost burden on our system, because if people are asking a doctor to hold their hand for implementation, you know, like you were saying, the challenge that you were having at the VA, you know, it was really up to your patients to kind of take it on themselves, especially in the early days, to kind of figure out how to make those changes. Now, if we have this army of health coaches educated at a much lower cost than an MD, um, ready and willing at a much lower rate per hour to work with people and help them figure out these, you know, seemingly simple problems like what do I eat for breakfast? Or, you know, what do I bring to lunch? Um, you know, that's going to save the whole system money in the long run. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it, and many more of my academic internal medicine colleagues are understanding that uh, health behaviors are what we have to address if we're going to control diabetes or high blood pressure or mental health issues. They don't necessarily understand that yet for autoimmune issues in general, but many more specialists are getting that health behaviors are where health happens Mm -hmm. as opposed to uh, the drugs. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Um, So Terry, here's a big can of worms. Um, Do you feel that what all of us collectively are advocating for in terms of dietary healing is elitist? And if so, um, how can we change this and make it more accessible for everyone? It's not elitist at all. That's just a bunch of hogwash. (laughs) That is just a bunch of uh, elitist hogwash. (laughs) You don't need to have a fancy testing to tell people you need to eat more vegetables. Try 100 days of a grain-free diet and see what happens. Uh, And uh, people are figuring this out. That's why there's so much information on the internet. That's why uh, all these YouTube channels are successful. That's why these self-help books are successful. Now, there certainly are people who have resources who are happy to buy my time to come do a concierge practice with me, which I love because then I can provide information on social media through my staff to the public. So yes, there will always be people who have money that are willing to buy more intensive support. And there's a lot of free support available through social media. uh, And there are are low-level programs available through group uh, group classes, through health coaches. And so there's a huge spectrum of support that people can access. They can access stuff that's free. They can access stuff that you pay progressively more according to the resources that you have available. But that's what our society has done forever from the beginning, that there's information that's freely available. But if you have money, you can buy more support if you want. Yeah. Well, Terry, um, you know, Angie and I are both here and able to do what we do because of your TED Talk. Honestly, that was one of the things that was a tipping point for me being able to get motivated to make the dietary and lifestyle changes that I did. And, you know, what we do, a lot of it is just getting the word out to everyone 
without a paywall or anything to just help people like this podcast, you know, figure out what they can do better. So we're definitely in agreement there. Um, But we are aware that, you know, a lot of people say, I can't afford this, or this is just for rich people. And I think some of that barrier is a little bit of perception. Yes, some people are on very low incomes and have to be very creative. And that's part of what we're trying to do here is give them some options and some different ways of thinking things. But I mean, you know, you've worked with some of the poorest people through the VA and you've seen the types of changes they've been able to make and the benefits that they've gotten in their life from um, from doing that work. And it can be really powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. The people I took care of for years were on food stamps, Mm -hmm. on disability. They had no money. Mm -hmm. They were doing this based on their gardening, their hunting, their fishing, uh, they would go to uh, the farmer's market. And the uh, brilliant ideas, they would walk around to the farmer's market and ask people at the end of the farmer's market, what's the best price you can give me if I take everything that's left? Mm-hmm. And they can figure out how to get a trunk full of food. Sometimes it was organic, sometimes it wasn't, for pennies on the dollar. Uh, and many uh, communities here in the Midwest have too much deer. So you could go to the local meat lockers and get venison for free. The, the, when people say it's too expensive, it's elitist, often I see that as an excuse. I don't want to have to take responsibility for making any effort. Mm-hmm. I want to continue to say it's not my problem because mm-hmm. I don't have all that money to get the, those expensive supplements uh, and to get those tests. They don't need the supplements. They don't need the tests, but they do need to eat vegetables. They do need to learn how to cook at home. And you can have very inexpensive vegetables. You can grow food. You can go to uh, city lots, empty city lots. You can go to the farmer's market and say, what's the best price I could get at the end of the farmer's market for everything you've got left? Yeah, there there are lots of creative ideas. Hopefully, we'll be exploring a lot more of them um, in this podcast series for people listening. But um, I love getting your perspective on that, Terry, because we totally agree. <laughs> I, every time Terry talks, I feel like saying hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> it is such a miracle to have my life back. Uh, and uh, when people tell me uh, that they feel hopeless, you know, I, I feel sad for them. But the first thing to understand is, as long as we're alive, life is a series of self-correcting biochemical reactions. The more we can help our bodies have what's needed and remove the things that are harmful, and all that begins with food, getting rid of the sugar, getting rid of the processed food, uh, and cooking at home is the first step. Yep. The, solving our healthcare crisis starts in our kitchens, everybody. You heard it from Dr. Walls. Terry, will you let our listeners know what you're up to in your work currently and where they can find you online? So find me at uh, terrywalls.com. I'm on Facebook, Terry Walls MD, Instagram, Dr. Terry Walls, Twitter, uh, just Terry Walls. Um, I have a seminar in August uh, where we go over uh, all of these concepts. Uh, we have a health professional uh, workshop uh, and certify health professionals. So you can learn more about that at terrywalls.com. Uh, I'm uh, working on a study comparing the Swank diet and the Walls diet. Uh, we'll 
uh, do that for another two years. And uh, this month we're uh, submitting a uh, full grant proposal comparing the Walls diet as a safety and feasibility in the setting of ALS or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Uh, so that's wow. a very exciting step. Yeah, wow, that's really exciting. Thanks for giving us that update. Oh, um, and I'm going to Australia in uh, April. Uh, we'll be doing a bunch of events uh, in Australia as well. Cool. Well, maybe if people listening in, um, any of our Australia folks, you guys check in with Terry and see if she's coming to a location near you, because that would be fun to catch her. The link for that is drterrywallslive.com. Cool. I'll send those links to you guys so you have Great. Yeah, we'll put everything in the show notes. Thank you so much again, Terry, for agreeing to have this conversation with us. I know we're talking about a little bit more of the finer details of making this stuff work, but I think people are going to be really grateful um, to just hear our discussion about this. For all you guys listening in, um, we'll be back next week. We hope you guys are enjoying the beginning to this podcast series, and we'll see you guys all soon. Take care, everyone. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Autoimmune Wellness Podcast. We are honored to have you as a listener, and we hope that you've gained some useful information. Did you know that we have dozens of informative articles about living well with autoimmune disease and over 250 elimination phase compliant recipes on our website, updated multiple times per week? Make sure to click on over to autoimmunewellness.com, follow us on social media, and sign up for our newsletter to find out about all of this new content. We're either at Autoimmune Paleo or at Autoimmune Wellness on any of these channels, and you can sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of any page on our website. Don't forget to connect with the AIP community by using the hashtag Autoimmune Wellness. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes as this helps others find us. See you next time.